Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. We are in this series called Deeply Formed, and today's topic is missional presence. Now, I don't know, how well can you remember the other topics that we've talked about? I'm going to just list them off for you. Rhythms of renunciation, encouraging us to adopt rhythms that are don't make sense according to the world, but they renounce the world's ways so that we will, we will have times of meditation. We will have times of contemplation. We will observe Sabbath. We will do those things that help us to renounce the patterns of the world and put God first. We talked about race, formation, and reconciliation, and the fact that our formation in God must expand beyond our own selves and a welcoming attitude towards all ethnicities and overcome the, the, the issues of racism that have become embedded in our culture. We talked about interior examination. And at the end of this service, we will have another opportunity for that, that we examine ourselves as we come to the Lord's table together. And then last week, we talked about sexual wholeness. And so that is another reality that part of our formation in God must include that aspect of our lives. So today, missional presence. We're going to begin with a couple of scriptures. John chapter 20. And I love that we get to read this verse that is post-resurrection right now as we are getting ready to remember the cross and, and everything that happened because we are honored and privileged to live on this side of the cross. And we know that Jesus rose from the dead. And so John chapter 20 takes place on the day of Christ's resurrection, but this is down into the evening of that day, beginning at verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And then another passage in the book of Mark, and this is closer to the early part of Jesus' ministry. Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. 
As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I pray for your anointing to be on me as I speak this message today, that you would open our minds, our hearts, to be able to receive the word, that it be seed that falls on good ground and does bear much fruit. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I pray your heart is ready to receive the seed of the Word of God today. And let's see what he has to say to us from this um, passage and, and on this topic. For, I have to say, this translation of that passage in Mark, when they said, why does he eat with such scum? That is so... Um, uh, bare and raw, <laughs> that they would use words like that to talk about other people. And it just makes my heart go, ouch, ouch. But apparently that is a potential translation of how they talked. And so um, I think you'll hear in today's message that we need to move away from as far away from that way of looking at people as possible. So missional presence, what does this phrase mean? So missional kind of sounds a lot like missionary, right? And um, is that what we're talking about today? Well, maybe a little bit, but not in the sense of someone who we have many friends that we support that have committed their career to serve either in a foreign country or on a college campus or as an appointed missionary in some way. This phrase, missional presence, is more about purpose and aligning our will with God's will, to be on mission with God, desiring to live in such a way that God's presence is revealed in us and through us. Now, in this book, Pastor Rich, especially in this chapter, he shares some great stories, so I'm going to pass them along to you. One is from theologian Thomas Merton, who met with a simple yet mysterious Hindu man who lived a monastic life. In his conversation with the man, they discussed the effect of Christian missionaries in Southern Asia. This Hindu monastic noted that Christian missionaries actually had had minimal impact in his part of the world for many reasons. Chiefly, the reason was they were not holy 
enough. As Merton reflected on this, he concluded that the Hindus were not looking for Christians to build schools and hospitals, although these are really good things and maybe even badly needed things. What they wanted was to know if we have any saints to send them. They want to know if we have any saints to send them. This reflection highlights much of the truth behind this entire series, The Deeply Formed Life. To be engaged with the world, we must begin not with our activity, but with a life in God. What are we bringing when we are engaging? So, Pastor Rich goes on to say that the church where he leads, this is a regular tension, and I feel it, this tension between monastery and mission. <laughs> we, can, we can be too much, call, we, we want to be called to abide in Jesus and, and to be in the contemplative practices, but we can't just be that in a cloistered sense. It's not enough to just say, I'm abiding in Jesus. Good. We have to also be engaged with the world. But we can't just set about doing things for Jesus without actually abiding in Jesus. So here's a definition that Rich Velotis gives. It's being Jesus for another. So let me unpack that for a minute. Is there a way to actively respond to the injustice, the poverty, the pain that people experience without being completely destroyed and burned out and, and left, you know, ourselves by our own good intentions and deeds? We have to shift our thinking that the mission of God is not just about activity. It is about this being Christ for another. And so what we want to find out is that deeply formed mission is first about who we are becoming before what we are doing. Now, this tension between being and doing can sometimes become a false choice that either you have to be a doer or you have to do, be a being, and, and, you, and you, you can't do both. But that's not the way it is. We need a life of doing that flows from being. So what does it look like, one without the other? In the case of doing without being, the emphasis moves to getting the job done. <laughs> It gets compartmentalized. If, if someone is doing the right things, and we can see that they're out there doing the right things, then we just, it, it doesn't matter if they are not inner, their inner character is not being developed. They still get approval just based on what they are doing. So Pastor Rich shares the story of when he was being interviewed to join the staff of New Life, and Pete Scazzaro told him, now Rich, there is only one way you can get fired at this church. And so his thoughts were like, okay, it's probably like if I'm you know, having a, a bad moral failure or something like that, that would be the way to get fired. 
But what he said was, if you don't keep Sabbath, you will get fired because you won't have the kind of life that will sustain you for the type of work that pastoring entails. And so the reality was, he was saying, you're going to have a lot of work to do. There's going to be lots and lots of doing, but you have to institute these practices that form you so that you will have what it takes to be sustained. So talking about observing Sabbath, I, I shared with you that the first Sunday of Lent, that one of my Lenten practices is to be seriously uh, observing a Sabbath. So I've made it through five weeks <laughs> so far. The rhythm is beginning to be established for me. It's that I'm closing my computer at the end of the day on Friday, and I am from Friday through Saturday night, then I am on Sabbath. Partly because for me, Sunday is a work day. And so it's not, my Sabbath is on that Friday through Saturday, uh, Saturday having a day of rest set aside. Now, I've known this in my intellect for a long time, but it's another thing to establish the rhythm in my body and in my calendar. And I want to encourage us all that we need to do this. We've, we have to stop our doing on some regular basis so that we can have that moment of recharging with the Lord. Now, what, how can you know if you're stuck in a pattern of doing without being? Here are some symptoms of that. S serving in order to gain the approval of others. And I would say another way to say that is or to not disappoint somebody. Lead to mask a deep sense of insecurity. <laughs> or volunteer to get God to love us more. That's... That's not possible. You're not going to get God to love you more, okay? He already loves you so much. Or to start new things to prove our worth. Or to overfunction, meaning doing things for others that they should and they should be doing for themselves. Or to not give adequate space for our own health. The consequences of doing without being will show up eventually, whether in the form of sickness, resentment, duplicity, or fatigue. And I think this is part of where we might get what I'm going to call the grumpy Christian syndrome. Does anybody ever meet a grumpy Christian? Huh? The people that are dutifully doing their stuff for God. Or at least they think that's the point. They think they're doing it for God. And yet there's no joy. There's no sense of generosity or gratitude. No power of the Holy Spirit carrying you. Missional presence is not going to be a list of things for you to go do for God. That's not what this is about. Okay? All right. What's the remedy for this doing without being? Well, Pastor Rich calls it creative withdrawal as opposed to total withdrawal because we can't just disengage from the world. We have to have these rhythms of rest, pulling aside to be with God and connecting with community 
Being here together, this is one of the restful ways that we grow in God. And that is when our quality of life can then overflow to others. Now, why is this so important in the culture of the church? Where he is pastor, the author of this book, New Life is a significantly active church. And I'm just going to tick off some of the things he said they do. Their community development corporation serves thousands of poor and overlooked families in their neighborhood. They have many small groups that have been a place of healing and hospitality to the unchurched. They have large outreaches and help their congregation hold the connection between faith and work. Meet literal work at Monday through Friday. They have a history of church planting and are reimagining what empowering leaders and starting new churches can look like in their current day. They are deeply engaged in their city of Queens, New York, but they must be reminded regularly that doing has to flow from being. Why? Because simply put, you cannot give what you haven't received. Well, after I led, read that list of all the things that his church was doing, I came to think, you know, we have opportunities before us here right now in our context. Now, we're not big, but there are ways that we can engage in our community. Um, I was talking to the director of Belong the other night, an organization here in Vienna that we support. There are openings right now to where they need help with summer day camps, um, help with tutoring. These are things that are just available. We are exploring the possibility of offering the Alpha course designed for anyone with questions about God to come to a casual gathering to learn more. Uh, we're looking to expand our worship team and we have plans to host a worship night together with some other congregations. Uh, we have need of additional workers on our Sunday teams for technology, for setup, for hospitality, for children's ministry. I believe there's a vibrant way of doing that is a part of being on mission with God. But we're not going to sign up for grumpy Christian syndrome with that, right? We're going to look and see what does God have for us that we can get uh, involved in. Now, the opposite of doing without being is being without doing. And Pastor Rich shared something that I can relate to this. Their church is known for being emotionally healthy. That's the church where emotional health spirituality came out of. Often, they will have an influx of people from other churches that where these people have gotten burned out. And they come to new life literally for respite. Um, but the thing is, he says, they almost become con contagious like they treat being on mission as a contagious thing to avoid <laughs> they are so wanting the respite that they aren't able to engage and i have seen that um, in people before and so we we have to be careful about letting a season where we do need to rest and recover and disengage to not let that become a forever posture we are called to be active contemplatives or contemplative activists holding together this invitation to be and to do.
So this quote comes from the book, there is never a moment when God isn't moving toward the world in love. There is never a moment that God isn't moving toward the world in love. Missional presence is about us figuring out how to be on that mission with God. Now, Rich Velotis, um, he talked about this like a dance. And, uh, you know, it, it, we're invited to the dance. Now, we're in the, we're in the middle of Final Four weekend, and those that, are, that follow basketball know that that's called the dance. And last night's game between uh, North Carolina and Duke University was called their first dance because after all these, I mean, it's over 100 years old, their rivalry, but they have never met in the NCAA tournament, which is kind of amazing. Um, but thinking about this idea of a dance, an understanding of the Trinity from the fourth century is a concept, and I, I hope I, I asked Google to pronounce this for me, and there were multiple ways to pronounce it. So maybe one, maybe I'll pick one that works. I don't know. But um, it, this concept called perichoresis, and this word describes the metaphor of an eternal dance between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That the Trinity is in this loving dance with one another. But rather than it being an insular dance that others stand outside of, God's dance widens the circle of divine love. This is a helpful way to frame this, this conversation of how God is on mission. It is in a way where he is constantly inviting all of us in to his love, to be connected with what he is doing. God at work is like a dance that is meant for participation not just observation or admiration. So Pastor Rich compared it to his large family gatherings where inevitably someone will start playing the music for the electric dance. And he'll say, you know, it'll just start with one, but here's the music and then somebody gets up and then the, eventually the whole group joins in and they're all doing the electric dance together. When I was reading that, I was like, that probably needs to be added to the Burns family summer tradition that we need a moment where we're doing some kind of a electric slide or something together. But can you see, have you been at a wedding or at a party where everybody gets invited in? That is the idea here, that God is at work doing something beautiful, and we're invited to be a part of it. <laughs> and then another story from Pastor Rich, he admits that we get off rhythm sometimes. We're trying to join God's dance, but we are not in rhythm with him. So he, he described his early attempts at being on mission as a 19-year-old at his first job. And so here's a couple of things he did. On his uh, screensaver in his cubicle, in as big and bright colors as he could do, he put up, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
<coughs> so that anybody walking by would have to see that. Well, the supervisor um, took a look at that, thought about it a bit, and came back and said, that's not allowed. You can't, that's offensive to people. You can't just leave that up. So then he started wearing Christian t-shirts every day to work. And he's like, she can't make me take my shirt off, you know, kind of attitude. And so just did all that. And so this was a, a short-term summer kind of job. And so on his last day there, because he's still just ready to be on mission for God and tell everybody. He, he said, one way I can preach to the entire company, I'll send a mass email to everybody. And, and, and so he did. And it was three paragraphs long. And it told them that they're all sinners and they all need to get saved. And then he ended it with the um, sinner's prayer. And then he hit send. And then he walked out the door, he said, like he owned the place. And he was so proud of himself. Now... <laughs> He's telling that story with a bit of a cringe fracture, okay? He's like, that did not display the spirit of being invited to the dance with God. It did not display that love that he believes we are called to. So here's a reality. Um, two things to keep in mind to help us to not go off into that super aggressive thing. And, you know, the thing is, for a lot of us, you've actually heard somewhere or thought somehow that to be on mission with God means exactly what that story just described, that you have to be aggressive, that you have to be slightly offensive, that you have to come across um, in a way that then you'll get um, opposition. And then you just say, well, I'm just being persecuted for God, <laughs> you know, whatever like that. Let's, let's think about that a moment. And, and there may be times where you have to go ahead and be able to speak up for Christ in a setting. But... It's not necessarily that level of aggressiveness that we're called to. And so if, if by just even hearing the idea of missional presence, you kind of tuned out a little bit because you're like, I've heard that. I don't want to do that. Here to the end, this is not necessarily what we're asking for here. So two aspects, God with all and God for all. We must embrace the truth of Scripture that God has always been with people. He's always been initiating relationship and covenant, speaking and calling and revealing himself. Acts 17, 28 says that in God we live and move and have our being. And this is true for each of us and for each of your neighbors and your coworkers your students, your teachers, your doctors, your nurses, your Uber driver, the repairman, the waiter or waitress, the barista. It is true for everyone. God is with us. Every person on the planet has on some level been encountered by God. They may not cognitively perceive it or receive it, but this is an important factor of Christian theology. We assume 
God's active presence all over the world. So what's needed is for Christ followers to discern God's presence rather than assuming his absence. Where do you assume God is not present? And I took some of these from Pastor Rich, but he says like, well, God can't be with those Democrats or God can't be with those Republicans or God can't be at the local bar or God can't be at the strip club or God can't be at the gay pride march or God can't be with those rednecks. I mean, God can't be, and now you fill in the blank where you would just assume God could not possibly be there. But we need to remember God is present everywhere. So I love this honest story from Pastor Rich. He was writing a prayer in his journal, thanking God for this place in the grand story of God. And he asked God to to send him to whomever he wanted to that day to be able to, to be present to people the way God was present to them. And as he was writing this beautiful prayer, his four-year-old daughter came and interrupted him and asked him to pour her some cereal. Well, he was annoyed and begrudgingly went and poured the cereal for her. So you can imagine this quiet moment. Child comes in. So now she's got her cereal. He goes back to pray again, but immediately was convicted by the Holy Spirit to realize here had been an immediate answer to his prayer that somebody had come that he could be present to. And instead, she felt that she was an interruption. So here's how he ended his journal that day. Lord, I've looked at this basic request of cereal as a distraction, yet joining you in the restoration of the world must include pouring milk and Cheerios for a little girl. Teach me to be lovingly present to my family and anyone you put in my path today. Bringing Jesus to someone does not mean that any of us are the Savior. That job is taken. (laughs) Only Jesus is the Messiah. But here's an example of what it might look like to be Jesus to someone. This just happened this last week. A close friend of mine noticed an ambulance and police cars gathered outside their home. So they went to check on the situation. A neighbor had been injured after falling, but was too embarrassed to allow the medics to care for them because of their drunken state. The police were assisting, but they were not having success either. My friend asked if he could go talk with the person. And after several minutes of general coaxing and conversation, they finally took the arm of this friend and walked to the ambulance. That friend was Jesus to that neighbor in that moment. 
even if it's not as dramatic as having emergency vehicles on the road outside your house, we can pay attention to what's happening around us and know that God is at work. Assume his presence, not his absence, and ask to be able to perceive what is he doing in this moment. And God is for all. Missional presence has a posture of faith and belief that God is for us. God loves people. There's a great t-shirt made by the folks at the Happy Givers Company. It says, God loves the people we don't. (laughs) And it's so true. Are we known more for what God is for? God is for people. Are we known more for that or for what we are against? Even when we are sure that we are against something that God is also against, we need to start with a posture of what is God for. God is for us. This is the foundation of mission. This is the posture that we must have. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. To be on mission with God is to be positioned in this love, not in judgment, not in disgust, certainly not using words like scum to refer to other people, and not in othering. Now, I want to say one thing about that point. It is true that as Christians, we are against the world system. We are, the current is going this way, and we're swimming against the current. We started this series talking about rhythms of renunciation, choosing to renounce the deforming patterns of the world that keep us from being deeply formed in Christ, but we're not against people, even those who are deeply embedded in the world system. God loves people, and we are his sent ones to be on mission with him. I'm going to invite Rachel to come. We're about to receive communion together. So if you have your elements... Please prepare. And she's going to sing a song called Lead Me to the Cross. And in this moment of response to the message that you've heard, the posture that we are to have, as we Think of the reality of being sent. We can't be sent until we have come to the cross. And Jesus said, that's not a once a year thing, like Good Friday. It's not a once a month thing. It's a daily reality. Take up your cross daily 
and follow me. And when we are being formed in that way and allowing Christ to be deeply formed in us, then we will be able to have the missional presence wherever we go. I want us to be in an attitude of prayer and response as we listen to this song. And we'll end today. I'll come back and we'll receive our elements together. on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
Oh God, we remember your body given. And we pray that we would be aware of you at work in our body and in those around us, Lord. Help us to receive your very presence this day. In Jesus' name, receive the bread. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. receive this cup today as a sign of the covenant in our life from you, Jesus, that you shed your blood for the remission of sins, that you have cleansed us from all unrighteousness, and that we are now a part of your family on mission with you. And I thank you for it, Lord, and I pray that you would cleanse us today as we come before you, trusting you to help us as we come to you. Thank you, Lord. Let's receive the cup. Amen, amen, amen. I want to send you out with a blessing by rereading a couple of those verses from today's text. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcast and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.